I'm Michael Hasted, and welcome to Arts Talk Radio, which brings you interviews, news and reviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We concentrate on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and everything in between or nearby. Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. This week, COVID-19 is casting a long and dark shadow again, with all performances shut down and museums and other venues closed. All the interviews this week were recorded just before the new lockdown restrictions were announced. Before then, Zoe Baus was in The Hague, talking to the organiser of the Crossing Border Festival, which this year will be entirely online. And I'll be chatting to the actors of QE2's production of Alan Bennett's Talking Heads, which was due to open on the 11th of November in Amsterdam. But first, Zoe met up with art historian Wendy Fossen of Casa dell'Arte to talk about the exhibition of the little-known Swedish artist Anders Zorn, which is at the Kunstmuseum in The Hague. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us once more on Arts Talk. No problem. Uh, now, Wendy, I had the privilege of, of getting a small sneak preview thanks to, to an invitation from you, uh, and I, I learnt a little bit about Anders Zorn, someone I must be honest I had never heard of in, as a painter. That makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then I don't feel so bad. Um, but he is a Swedish painter, and he was apparently very, very, or is very highly regarded in Sweden. Indeed. But yeah. he's not so well known, perhaps, here in the Netherlands. Uh, not here in the Netherlands, and m maybe also not very much abroad. But in his own time, he was born in 1860. In his own time, he was very, very famous. And uh, especially for the fact that he um, uh, portrayed even US presidents. Um, so that's something that... That um, isn't your every ordi everyday ordinary painter uh, uh, his his, his uh, thing? So no. you know that's quite quite amazing, I guess. You were saying that he he sort of he made a name for himself and he made his living essentially from portrait painting. Yes. So that was his. His thing. Yeah, well, in, 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 certainly in the first place, um, before he actually got really, really wealthy. Um, uh, and uh, another, he was he was very, um, very good at all these different media. So he he started out as a, a watercolor painter, um, and then he moved to oil painting, and then he went to London. He was still relatively young, and then he started doing these portraits because he was really good at portraits. And then he moved to to Paris with his wife, and then he met all these rich and famous people like Elizabeth Stewart Gar or um, Isabella Stewart Gardner, uh, who has her own museum, or she's already dead, of course, but uh, there's. A museum dedicated to her uh, collection, uh, and she introduced him uh, to all these rich and famous Americans. So basically, yes, the, the the portraits, because on the exhibition there are no U.S. presidents, but there is, for instance, the King of Sweden. Um, so with his portraits, he became very famous, and he he kind of started his. Um, fame, but also his fortune. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I think it's interesting for us to think about portrait painting today because now I, I don't. I'm not really aware of it being a big money spinner. Um, but but in those days, of course, uh, it was very popular. Yeah. And so you assume you could command a high price yes. if you were 
Yes. Good at it. Of course, in those days, in the late 19th century, you already had um, um, photography, of course, uh, but having yourself painted, I mean, even today, I mean, everybody can take a selfie or True. somebody can take a picture of you, but it's different when you have yourself painted. I mean, it's more like the, craft, the craftsmanship that goes into uh, a painted image of yourself rather than a photographed image, even though I, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that there's no craftsmanship in photography. No, okay, no, that's, no. Let, let me but, put that but you're right. But with talking about a selfie versus something that somebody has painstakingly painted over exactly. a period of weeks yeah, or definitely. even months, then clearly yeah. there's a difference. So that's something that he became really, really famous for it because he was doing it so well. I mean, he was on the same level as John Singer Sargent. I mean, they were vying for who is the, the best portraitist especially in the US so. so how I mean how did he just sort of drop out of the picture then what, what happened um, because well, we have heard of John Singer Sargent yes, for example yes so that's interesting um, well because I, I don't know whether he's actually dropped off the chart uh, it's it's more that um, the type of painting that he also painted as I said he was good in very different media but also very different subjects um, he was also very good in um painting and um, uh, recording the untouched Swedish landscape. So when I ask you, when you think of Sweden, what springs to mind? Well, I have, having seen some of his works, yes, I, there is a sort of idyllic pastoral side with the wooden exactly. houses yeah. and the beautifully woven, coloured Textiles, textiles and yeah. cloths, and then that's yeah, everything. and then the 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 the, the, the first the, um, the the trees, the, the uh, Christmas tree the kind of greens, yeah, and pines. Right. That's that that kind of scene. That's what that's what Sweden is to many people. It's very similar. It's of course an outdated idea. It's very similar to the clogs and windmills that we have here. But bear in mind that the image that we Dutch have abroad was created in that very same mm. period. So we have painters who created like the Haagse School. They painted all these windmills, water and clogs and sailboats and whatever. Uh, and in Sweden, it was Anders Storn who painted the Swedish rural life. And that became, during this period of increasing nationalism and also the idea for the authentic, mm. um, that became very, very popular. Um, so this also sold abroad. Uh, so in Paris, so when you look at, of course, the, the most most of the collection that you see at the Gemeente Museum is from Swedish collection, from the museum in Stockholm and the museum in, in Mura, his, his birthplace. Mm. Um, but every year he came back to his birthplace, Mura, and every year he saw it change and he wanted to keep it the way it was. Uh, and that was something that appealed to many, many collectors, you know, this authentic Swedish countryside yes. with people bathing in the nude, um, mm. these girls in beautiful dresses dancing and, 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 and feasting, you know, sort of very much yeah. um, the, the authentic Sweden. That's what he wanted yes. to maintain. Now, and we also spoke about the fact that it's there was some irony there because he, as you said, he made a very good living and was in fact a, a very comfortable in terms of material wealth and he yeah. married into a wealthy family. So he had a beautiful home with sort of every modern convenience, but then he was um, 
idealizing this the, the very Swedish rural peasant life, life. Yeah. and and every now and then he also had a cabin which had nothing so that okay. was really really hard rustic. the rustic life you know uh, so when he whenever he I think he needed some inspiration he went over there and he invited people usually women girls uh, in order to uh, to paint them uh, not always dressed because that's one other part of his stories that he had painted these rural women bathing very innocently that you see in the the the, the first rooms uh, but then there's a separate room uh, dedicated to his nudes and then you see that he he has as i said uh, he has done photography he has done some etching he has done some sculpting as well so you have beautiful uh, photos and etches and also sculptures of naked women mm. uh, but that's it's not nudes it's, it, it turns into a naked woman it, it's more eroticized mm. so it's very much looking at women with the, fee, with the male gaze uh, whereas in the beginning it was more of this innocent thing so that yes. changed over time yes. and we also know that he was not very loyal to his wife so he had various affairs also with these younger girls who were local girls so you know there was a difference in in uh, um, status, status. And, and so power, they absolutely. yeah so they, they he said you know can you yeah. come and sit well I don't know what yeah. he said but you know you mm. can imagine what what happened then absolutely the so there's yeah so there's different sides to Anderson put it that way definitely definitely absolutely. but all all sides are worthwhile. Like I said, the watercolors are absolutely stunning. It almost looks as if they're photographs or oil paintings. Uh, his, his oil paintings are really, really nice to look at. It's very easy to the eye. It's, I mean, you could call it impressionist, but it's, you know, it's it struck me a little bit like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's very mm. similar. It's all painted in these late 19th century. So it's, you know, bright light and, and um, you know, also the paintings that he painted in Paris, for instance, is very impressionist. Like looking at the Degas or, you know, like get the, the people in the, in the omnibus, there's a yeah. few pictures on that as well. Um, but he's very good also at accurately painting these people. When you look at his portraits, he can really capture the character, even though I don't know the king of Sweden at the time of course but I can imagine that he you know he looked like the king of Sweden and then you have this real nice Christmas postcard kind of thing that you that you see when he's in Mura and, and he returns to his um, to his birthplace every summer so he that's that's home for him there was lots of inspiration there very much and what he also did he, he didn't only paint this scene, you know, the, the countryside, but he also actually um, had an active, um, uh, played an active role in, in, in uh, preserving the um, heritage of Sweden, because he saw that as a result of industrialization, many buildings disappeared like farmhouses. So he had all these farmhouses transported from all over Sweden. The eldest, I think, is from the 13th century. So that's amazing. I mean, if he hadn't done that, it would have all disappeared. So he put them in this, well, theme park is not the right word, but it's a beautiful park, a little village, a little village mm. um, where you have all these farms. And then there's also a textile museum because I also collected, he and his wife, all these textiles and applied art objects. So it's actually absolutely beautiful. And some of these objects are also in the exhibition. So it kind of fills up 
the spaces, but also adds to the whole look and feel of the exhibition. So I think that, you know, it's it's very much worth your while, even though you haven't heard about yeah, him before. Absolutely. It's well worth going and seeing the exhibition. Because there's a cultural element as well, yes, which adds much. another dimension. Yeah. Okay. And, and technically speaking, he's just a very good painter, he so there's nothing good. wrong with his no, work. No, no. Well, thank you so much, uh, Wendy Fossen, for joining us today on Arts Talk Radio. You're welcome. That was Zoe Bowers talking to Wendy Fossen of Casa dell'Arte about the Anders Zorn exhibition at the Kunstmuseum in The Hague. The show will hopefully reopen at the end of November and is scheduled to run until the 31st of January. But in these ever-changing times, it would be wise to keep up with developments on the museum's website. QE2's production of Talking Heads was due to open on the 11th of November at the CC Amstel Theatre in Amsterdam. I spoke to actors Loveday Smith and Mark Winstanley about the show before the new restrictions forced its opening to be cancelled. I started by asking Loveday which of Alan Bennett's short plays they were presenting. A Chip in the Sugar and Bed Among the Lentils. I'm sure everybody's very familiar with the Alan Bennett plays, but which are those? Um, the, the Chip Among the Sugar is the one that Alan himself performed, and um, Bed Among the Lentils is the one that Maggie Smith, sorry, Dame, Dame Maggie, Maggie Smith, Smith did. Absolutely. Yeah. We share a surname, but uh, I don't think there's any shared <laughs> DNA. <laughs> so tell me about your, your company, this QE2 production. You're based in Amsterdam. We're based in Amsterdam, and we're, we're an offshoot of Queen's English Theatre Productions, who've, who've done a lot of things in Amsterdam, um, but we, we, we do to take work outside of Amsterdam, English-speaking theatre, to, to what in England might be called the provinces. So what's your background? Well, I've, you oh gosh, I've been in the business for longer than I care to remember. And in, but, Holland? Um, in Holland? I've been here since 2013, um, and obviously a very different career here. I do a lot of presenting, a lot of voiceover. Um, but yeah, back in England I did a lot of theatre, a bit of television, a few soaps, um, that kind of thing. And what brought you to Holland? Oh, I fell in love with a Dutchman. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. We met in France and uh, yeah, I was having a midlife crisis and uh, ran away to France and, and left London and left all my friends and left my then husband and uh, met a Dutchman and then fell, this is, the, this is the nutshell version, and then fell pregnant and then we moved here. So that's kind of... And you were working as an actress all the time? Um, well, yes, the plan for me was to commute from France, but then, of course, when I suddenly found myself having a half-Dutch baby, all that had to be put on hold. Um, so I thought I might teach. Um, but then when we moved here, I discovered that there was quite a demand for English-speaking actors and, um, and, yeah, the rest is And quite history. a big audience as well. Yeah, very much. So very much so. It's great. I love working here. I love, I love the, the direction that my career has taken me in here because there's also there's an opportunity to do lots of different kinds of work um, from theatre like this, doing you know classics like Alan Bennett, but also there's a lot more sort of experimental stuff, um, art art projects um, with a capital A. And you speak Dutch? I do. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My partner's Dutch, and my son, of course, is, so is fluent. Yes. Yeah. My my Dutch isn't brilliant but it's it's okay okay well thank you for that we are now joined by mark with stanley who is the other half of this production and your which play are you doing uh, i'm doing chip in the sugar and um, which one's that uh, that's the one about graham who's uh, a middle-aged man who's still in the closet lives with his aging mother and when she takes up with an old flame he gets very jealous Okay. And how long have you been working together? How long have you well, actually, Loveday and I met because I cast her in, our, in QTC's production of One Man, Two Governors. And I loved working with 
then. She, she's talented and she's got a lot of experience and she's no, she's solid. <laughs> she's really solid. And and so that was a really you know uh, when she said yes, she was interested in doing Talking Heads, and I was delighted. And also. A bed Among the Lentils is my, the piece that she's doing, is my absolute favourite of all the talking heads, so I really wanted to, to do that one. You go on forever doing these, really. I mean, how many of them? There, there, there are 12, but officially only six of them are really available, because the second six have never been properly done on stage, officially, and you can't really get the rights for them, because I think they're, they're, they're sort of tied up by the television company or something. Okay. But people do do them a bit sneakily, yeah. but we haven't. Now, Bed Among the Lentils was a very exciting piece for me to work on because it's something that's that I've never never tackled before. Um, I tend to get cast as well. I used to get cast in sort of slightly uh, slightly more glamorous roles, and <laughs> Susan girls, is yeah. good time girls, and, yeah. and, and it's, it's very interesting. I mean, I do a variety of roles, but this is she's very contained, Susan, and she's got all this emotion bottled up. Um, and it's I mean, I won't do any spoilers, but her you know you think her life's turning around, but it actually it turns around, but it's still she's still trapped, you know. And it was a yeah very but interesting the wonderful thing with, with Bennett is. There's not a bad word in it, and it's, no, it's beautifully be written. So, so well yeah. written. Yeah, we, yes. we, we, we love the text, and, and we, lo yeah. we, we love uh, Bennett. And I mean, QTC has been a bit, maybe too Bennett-oriented. We've done the History Boys, we've done the Habeas Corpus three or four times. How did you do the History Boys? Um, well, we, we we did it in a sm in a small venue, um, but we uh, cast uh, eight uh, local schoolboys who were all br all uh, anglophone schoolboys. So this, this was sort of half amateur, half pro. Yeah, I would say so. Um, we had a fantastic Hector. Uh, Brian Andre, he's a fantastic actor. So we had a really, really strong uh, lead, and a good, and a good Irwin. And you know, I think what was nice about that production was, yeah, we took sort of kids who were still at school mostly, and some, we had a couple of boys who were a little bit older, but they looked like real boys who were at school. Um, whereas I got a lovely card from Alan Bennett where he said, uh, some of the other productions, the boys looked a bit like estate agents. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so that's uh, so it was, not, it was not, and it did give the play a little different edge because they were that bit younger. You saw they were that bit younger. So some of the some of the themes of it seemed more a little bit more raw. There are think. six ones, aren't they? They're supposed to be six ones. They're supposed to have just done their A levels. That's anyway, so so what's your background here? How long have you been in in Holland? I've been here 20 years. Wow. Uh, I've I've always been doing theatre, but I've worked a lot in the corporate world as well. But the last um, two years or so, I've been really focusing a lot more on theatre, which is why I had time to do QE2. It is a bit of a joke, QE2, because it is, does refer to the cruise liner that travelled around taking you to things. So we're taking theatre to you on the, on the QE2 is the, kind of the idea. Mm. So it's a sort of, yeah, it's a little bit of an in-joke, I suppose. <laughs> but but how, many, how many shows do you propose to do? Are you going to be writing or adapting stuff or using stuff off the shelf? Mm. I think mostly using established works because mm. um, we tend to go for want to go for quality and we want to go for something that then has got a, a reasonably big audience. And so your audience know what. And then we can is. do more yeah, performances yeah. of it. A lot of groups do do a small number of performances, and I don't really like doing that. I like to do usually th three three weeks of something at least. Mm. So what else do you do apart from your um, productions? You do a lot of other stuff around. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I do theatre for me over here is. Um, yeah, my bread and butter is voiceover. I do a lot of voiceover. I do a lot of presenting, um, and that's what kind of pays the bills. The theatre, yeah, it's, I love doing it. Theatre is my first love, and it always will be. Um, but I'm never going to retire. 
on theatre a lot. Can the actors can't afford to, can no. they? <laughs> no, no, no. We just, we just keep going until we, can, uh, until we stop being able to remember the lines. Okay, well, I think that will do. Um, Great. So thank you both very much, and we shall look forward to seeing Talking Heads. Yes. Okay? Great. Thank, thank you very you. much. Bye. That was Loveday Smith and Mark Winstanley of the QE2 Theatre Company, whose production of Alan Bennett's Talking Heads was due to run between the 11th and the 15th of November at the CC Amstel Theatre in Amsterdam. The interviews were recorded before the new restrictions and no doubt QE2 will aim to reschedule the dates. Any news on that will be announced in Arts Talk magazine and you'll be able to find out more on the websites of QE2 and the CC Amstel. Arts Talk Radio Online The annual Crossing Border Festival is one of the high spots of the cultural calendar in The Hague, bringing together writers and musicians from around the world. This year, because of the coronavirus, it will take place entirely online and will be completely free. Zoe Baus talked to the festival organiser, Michel Berra, over a not-very-good Zoom connection to find out more. Welcome once more to Arts Talk Radio. It's uh, a pleasure to have you with us. Mm. We're all very excited about the first all-online version of Crossing Borders. Just to start us off, um, Michelle, please just tell us, you know, how was it different preparing this year from previous years? Well, that's different. That's for, obvious for everyone that's watching, but um, um, but it, it changed a lot, right? So in the first, first we wanted to do everything live. We thought, yeah, we can still do that. And then at some moment it was like, yeah, maybe um, artists that come from the U.S. or like really intercontinental artists, you know, that maybe we should do that, that online. And we, and we can still invite European artists and then European artists also became online. We thought, yeah, it's too much risk. So, and then we had a Dutch, now we have a Dutch uh, uh, evening, two evenings live, but then that was also not possible. So we went from, from, from world to Europe to Holland. Uh, that was the kind of how we, okay. in that order we went on, online. Yeah. What would you say are the advantages of it being all online? Because I'm sure there are some. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we can, um, uh, we can reach a different audience. That's for sure. That's why we also are doing it for free. It's a free program. And the idea of that is that we want to, yeah, we want to let people watch it and check it out for themselves. You know, if they like the festival that are not, not, uh, uh, they don't, they're not accustomed with the, with the event, so they can check it out. So, um, people can donate, of course, if they want. We really want to open it up for as many people as possible. That's, that's a big advantage for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of that, I mean, I've just perused your program. There is so much on offer. Yeah, it's going to be exciting what, uh, what will happen. It's, it's new for us also. Uh, I mean, we did some uh, Border Kitchen online, but that was really like kind of Zoom conversation, which was yeah pretty straightforward. But now we're going to build a studio in the Theater aan het Spij. So uh, it will be six days. So we have a studio there. And uh, uh, um, so it will be six days of partly live recording. We want to do as much live recording as possible. So... Uh, um, so, for example, an international author will, of course, uh, be online, but the interviewer will be live, it will be a live stream. Uh, and then we have some international pre-recorded music events, but we also try to do a lot of live stream events, especially with the Dutch artists, of course. So it's a kind of mix between those two. And um, 
And then like uh, in the final, on the final day, we got Antonio Scurati with this big Mussolini book, which I'm also uh, I'm curious about. It's going to be with the uh, interpreter because he only speaks Italian, but uh, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. um, what about on the music side? What stands out for you there? From the foreign ones, I would say I look forward to the Kili Foresight on the first day. It's something you have to like. It's a kind of arty, art music performance thing. So it's... And not everybody's gonna, I think it's gonna be 50% gonna absolutely be love it, you know, like, and a 50% gonna tune out probably, but uh, that's okay with the festival, right? It's the festival vibe, so we have a lot of different artists every day. So, uh, so yeah, if you don't like something, you, you can walk away and you come back or whatever, but you can keep watching, you know? So it's, uh, I think that's the most interesting approach. I mean, has it yeah. taken sort of, it must also require additional perhaps preparation for your interviewers uh the people who who do that because do they need to then include all of these additional technical requirements or as you said like these questions potentially coming in from all over the world for the authors that they're interviewing i mean how how yeah. does that work well, uh, I hope it does work. So uh, please bear, bear with us the first day a little bit. Obviously, you've been going for a very long time and it's a family concern, which I know your father started. Yeah. So as you said to me previously, um, whatever happens, you will continue in one form or another. It's just sort of a question of perhaps what form that will take. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on Arts Talk. Uh, we very much look forward to the festival over the next few days. Fingers crossed for, for the funding decision this week. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I uh, just want to finish that you can uh, register for the programs through our website. Huh? So uh, it's free. It's completely free. Just register and you get more information and a link to, uh, to tune in. That was Zoe Bowers talking to Michel Berra of the Crossing Border Festival, which takes place online until the 8th of November and will no doubt be available to listen to after that via their website. Arts Talk magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk Radio with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk magazine, all one word, dot NL. Arts Talk magazine, dot NL. So that's all for this week but please join us for the next edition of Arts Talk Radio. If you have any comments, we'd be pleased to hear from you. And if you click on the subscribe button, you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest programmes. My name is Michael Hasted, and so for the moment, it's goodbye.